0: Good Erev Shavuos, if I may say. Um, we celebrate Shavuos, and we call it Yom Matan as Palman the Siddur, actually found also in the Gemara M'sachim, Samachet Amudbet. the Gemara has there an argument as to whether... What is the proper way of how to celebrate a, a tov? One of them believes that it should be uh, kulay lachem. You should be spending most of the day eating, drinking, and enjoying yourself. The other one says, you know, uh, the other hand, the Patsik said, it should be Lashem. We paskulay chetzi lachem, and chetzi Supposed to spend half the day in yeshiva, or in shul, davening, and learning. And the other half, after Mincha, then you go eat. Probably the reason why we have long davenings on Yom to keep us in the shul, at least in Kil Mincha. Uh, allowing, taking for granted, that you started davening at nets, uh, which doesn't usually happen. Uh, but that's basically how Ram formulates it. The Gemara there says that Reb Luzer agrees that even if there's a way of fulfilling Yom without eating and drinking, just be having Kulay Lashem, hakom moidin debatzeres baino lachem. Everyone agrees that at on Shavuos, you definitely have to have a, uh, a part of the day dealing with eating, drinking, and rejoicing in a physical way. Where it says, because it's Yom Shnitna the day that we receive the Taira. Now, obviously, we understand that if the way of rejoicing on At is defined by the fact Yom Shnitna this this we must uh, draw the conclusion that the essence or an essence of the day is the fact that Yom Shnitna Ba'taira is not just haphazard, there's Atseris, and happens to be Yom Shnitna Ba'taira. That would not at all affect how we're supposed to uh, celebrate or fulfill, give meaning to the Ichaga Atseris. If we believe that Yem Shnitna Ba'taira defines how we're supposed to celebrate Atseris, you must come to the conclusion that Nesinas Artira is part and parcel of the definition of what Atseris is. Although the fact of the matter is that the Pasik does not mention Yom It's called Atzeres, whereas the Ramban explains, it means to say it's the day in which we finally take in or internalize whatever we received in, uh, in Pesach, which is a long thing to talk about. He actually describes how the period of time from Pesach until Atzeres is like a chalamayat. And like the end of the holiday of Pesach is actually Shvur's. But seriously, it sounds like the culmination of Yitzias Mitzrayim. Uh, it doesn't mention any ha- way the idea of Matan Torah. At the best, it mentions Yoma Bikurim, an agricultural cultural holiday. Uh, yet it seems to be from the Gemara that Matan Torah is an inherent part of the uh, of the uh, of the, uh, of the uh, holiday. Probably deals with the pasuk. The pasuk says that Yitzias Mitzrayim will end. When Moshe says, we will ultimately come to Harsinai and we will serve God, implying, obviously, that which happened at Harsinai of the Avaidah of Kal Yisrael. Well, what was the Avoida? Well, the Avedah was obviously the Karbanos, which were given either on the, the day before matan according to Rashi or the day after matan according to the Ramban, which is called the Karbanos of the Covenant, the Nas of Nishma. The korbanos of the covenant, by the way, were not said on Shavuos. There was a machleikus harishanim according to Ramban's two days in the Mechilta. Either they were said the day before Matan dealing with the idea that we will accept the covenant, or in the day after Matan Torah, that we are going to accept the covenant between us and God. So interesting how people think that Naso has to do specifically with Yom Shavuos is actually either you should be saying it erev Shavuos or Yisruchak, Yom Tavuach, but that should actually be the appropriate times, depending on two days in the Chilta, according to the Ramban. Whatever, it seems to be that the culmination of Pesach, that is, is when we arrive to that peak of the uh, Bris of the Nasavanishma and Ishma of the Tavdu uh, and our service to God on that day. Um, which, well, if probably the easiest way to understand the Ramban, because he's understanding the psukim are sequential which means literally the day after Shavuot. The day after Shavuot. So it's interesting to note this, the so, Yom She-Nitten is very important, but the Taftunus Ha-Lukim seems to be the service that we serve, the Kedish which the Karbanus, which were the day later. So obviously we have to understand that our Knesset Labris and the day of giving the Luchos somehow fit together in a group. God came and introduced himself to us in a covenantal relationship, we served him and accepted it the following day. So that process of those two days seems to be what, the culmination of the Geula process. The Ramban actually writes this. When the Ramban writes in his Hagdama to Shemais that we finally became redeemed when we had the Hashuras HaShchina, which we, which we had at Matan Torah, and then finally, afterwards, when we built the Mishkan, which we had a mobile Sinai unit, constantly uh, bringing Sinai with us to wherever we went, which was the Mishkan. So we do see clearly that is the Ashuras Ashkhinah in context of that covenant, which is the Saif HaGeula, that the ultimately being redeemed, and that makes, gives man his station and his relationship with the Kadesh Baruch. This seems to be obvious. Well, here is where the question rises, and it's a major question. Let's face it, um, the term that we received at, uh, at Shmuz, we actually never got. Moses uh, came down the mountain, and he saw us already uh, celebrating around the golden cap. We actually engaged in paganism literally uh, 39 days after we heard that we're not supposed to from the mouth of God himself, and Moses sees that and he breaks the tablets. And we know what Rashi says in the name of Midrash, he basically broke the marriage contract. Well, it means it's a marriage which didn't work, it was never actually uh, realized. It didn't come into being. I mean, yeah, the chassan came to the chuppah, and the collar was there, but by the time by the by the time they came home, she was already with someone else. Why would anybody celebrate that? God, it's a marriage which didn't work. What actually happened afterwards? That Moshe went up and uh, and prayed a lot, and we did tshuva, and finally, you know, Baruch Hashem, on Yom Kippur, we finally got a second chance. The Gemara says that why is uh, the two. Most happiest days, Mishnah says, in times during the Second Temple period, were Tu and Yom Kippurim. Why Yom Kippurim? Because that's called Yom Chasunaso, Yom Simchat Libo. It's our marriage. So if you want to talk about a covenantal relationship and a marriage, the marriage that worked and is still working, thank God. Is the marriage of Yom Kippur? I don't see anybody, you know, um, uh, saying Ma'idim Yom Kippur You know, we don't exactly eat on Yom Kippur. Uh, what's the story? I don't see anybody staying up late Yom Kippur, or learning Gemara Rashi and Teshuvah, or having shiurim on Yom Kippur. No, and yet they're all sitting and celebrating this unbelievable marriage, which seems to me was a fluke. How do, how do we relate to that? How do you relate to that? Did we really receive anything? It's funny. The Gemara that we have, you're all learning you're learning whatever you're learning. I mean, for goodness sakes, uh, don't you realize that uh, that in the first they didn't have all that? It says in the first Luchos all you had was Khamisha Khumshitra Vasefa Yoshua Bilvad. All the other stuff came in the second Lucas. Now, what are we doing? Reading, you know, on Leil Shavuos, all these Gemaras and these different things. That's just Yom kippur. You want to do anything on Leil Shavuos? Learn Chumash and and, and play for Yoshua. What's happening? The says, "Amr um, Reb Yechanan." Be wary of the honor of a sage, of a learned person which has spent his life learning and internalizing God's wisdom. And Nebuchadnezzar, you know, with age, you forget. I can tell you about it. You know what I mean? Even my age, you know, the memory isn't what it used to be. I used to be able to roll it like this and now it takes time. But there are people which really forget. Nebuchadnezzar. But oh, you should honor them, even though, totally, though they can't express anything anymore. The Gemara says, why? Because the tablets and the broken tablets were found together in the same ark in the Kadesh HaKadashim. Meaning to say that the Yisukein that learned Torah and now can't express it at all, he's like the Shivrei Luchas. Which means to say, it's an unbelievable idea here. lukas means to say, you know, right, the letters went up to heaven. There's no way of expressing this anymore. But the core relationship of what that information did to us and what it did to that zoke, it formed him in his subconscious reality or maybe even more in his metaphysical composition, that stays. It's just something that he can't express anymore. He's lost the capability of bringing that essential self which is whoever he is into expression still remember um when I was a young boy, I learned in heaven yeshiva and theshivass when the ra was, was 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 a a great person, and in his latter years he had suffered heavily from diabetes and this had affected his capability of sometimes you know thinking etc. He was in a very bad place. But, you know, you always saw his majesty, and you saw even subconsciously how he acted with people. You saw the education and the process that he had done to perfect himself, subconsciously coming out constantly. I'll give you an example. I remember once he hardly could walk. His feet were swollen from diabetes. And not every time could he come up to the, bin, to the yeshiva, to the to in my river, or something like that. And once on Friday night, we see him trudging up, coming up the stairs. It's already after Myrach. And one of the guys asks him, Rebbe, I mean, uh, why are you doing this? You know, you missed the minion. So he says, you don't understand. It's filled the maybe a To say good Shabbos to the boys, that's the Reisah. That's vafteracha HaKamaycha, and that's Kavit Shabbos. You know what? you can see that that's a person which had perfected himself without, it just, that's who he was. That's his Zaken Sheshachach Talmudai. Can you imagine? It's what it did to his subconscious self. It formed him. It's what it does to his Neshama. That stays forever. It seems to be saying in Chazal that Klal Yisrael's relationship with the broken Luchos is the relationship of Zaken Sheshachach Talmudai. We have lost the letters. We did not have the letters or the expression of that original encounter at Sinai, but obviously telling us that there's something there that never will leave us, and that's embodied in the Shivrei Luchos. I'd like to try to understand what that means. Because obviously that, that we are celebrating on Shavuos, it's not the words, it's not Babakamba Mitzirah that broke. It's whatever Shivrei Luchas is, whatever Zaken Shishokach Tamuda is, that we celebrate on Shavuos. I would actually call it the holiday of Shivrei Luchas. That's what it really is. The other stuff is Yom Kippur. And I think what we're really celebrating is that whatever we now do when we learn our Babakam, we're trying to find that in those words the depth of Shiver Luchos. You know, there's an old saying that distance makes the heart grow fonder. The uh, chazal say you really understand your Rebbe and understand what he gave you, what he did to you, only when he passes on. Because when he's around, you attach yourself to the externalities. That's what it is. What did he say? What did he this? What did he that? You no, know, afterwards, you suddenly attach yourself to his silences because you understand what he gave you. You know, the sounds of silence are the, are the heaviest and the deepest and the loudest. But sorry to say the human condition is you only really attach to that when the other voices are are quiet. That's what Thigemar Medrash says, When the divritar of your Rebbe really get, you know, pinned into you, it's when they pass on to another world. When you don't have the capability of looking at him or her or whoever your teacher is, in any form of externality. And you learn the silences, you learn the pauses, you understand not what he said, but why he said. You understand who is the person that because of that he said things. It's a totally different reality. This seems to be what was is. I'd like to try to explain that in the short period of time that I have here. There's a very common question uh, asked about Shemus here. Let me explain, give a little Hagdama. You see, um, all Yom Taivim, we finish in Tefillah, we say Mikadesh Yisrael Vehazmanim. Sanctify the Jews and the times. And the Gemara asked the question you can't have two Chsiyumim, you can't end the Bracha with two topics. How can we end the Bracha with Mikadesh Yisrael Vehazmanim? And the Gemara says, no, it means mekadesh Yisrael, shem mekadeshim Money. We say, thank God you have given sanctity to Klael Yisrael, which they are capable of sanctifying time. Equals, they are capable of taking time, which in Jewish thought is an entity. This goes into a broad conversation how we define time, but this is not the place, obviously. Uh, they take time and make it into a vessel, or vehicle, of bringing transcendency, Kedusha, into the human experience. They form time. We have to make time. It is only when Jews are Makadish of and they give sanctity to that time, then, the, then the, a date within that month is a Klikibu, a vessel of Kedusha. If there wouldn't be a Kiddish of Chodesh Nissan, there would not be a Chagat Pesach. It's a Ritvan Rosh Hashanah. If there wouldn't be a Kiddish of Rosh Hashanah, there would not be a Yom Adin, there wouldn't be a Yom Kippur. Yes, we thank sanct- the unique sanctity of the Jews. They are capable of transforming time into a vessel for Kiddushah and, 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 and introducing transcendency into human experience and actually the the, global, the, the the universal reality. And that's true for every Yom Tiv. There's one Yom Tiv which L'Chaira has nothing to do with its month, and that's Shvuz. You see, the Gemara says in Rosh Hashanah that Shvuz can sometimes be Hei Sivan, Vav Sivan, or Zayin Sivan. It depends how many days of Rishchadish there are in this Rishchadish year and Rishchadish Sivan. Because shvuz does not depend on the date, and it doesn't depend on the chaydesh Sivan. It depends on 50 days after Pesach. It means to say the 50th day of the Omer, actually 51 days after the first day of Pesach, that's what makes shvuz. Therefore, hypothetically, if there's two days of Rish, if both months are 30 days, it's going to end up being Hey Sivan. If one month has 30, the other has 29, like we usually have, it's going to be Vav Sivan. If both only have 29, depending, you know, when the Adim come, it'll be Zayin Sivan. So in other words, hey, Vav or Zayin are the possibilities, pointing out that the Kedush's Hazman of Shavuos has nothing to do with Chedish Sivan, or with the specific date in Sivan. It's only today that we have a calendar until we go back to Kedush Alpiriya. That we're stuck, it happens to be Vav Sivan because the calendar is set that there's a 29 day year uh, and a 30 day Nisan. But that will change. That will change. So it really comes out that the Kedushas is that, that which sanctifies, the Kedushas as man, which allows for Shavuos, is not Chedish yer, not Chedish Sivan, but Chedish Nisan. Once you sanctified Pesach, then fifty days from Pesach equals the as we mentioned for the Chol of The Pesach ends, and that's Shavuos. So Sivan is not in the ballpark. We couldn't care less about the word Sivan. Even if you were not Mekadish, the Chaydish of Sivan, hypothetically, it would anyway be uh, it would anyway would be a Yamta because it doesn't say it's in Sivan. It's fifty days from Pesach. It's another factor totally that's the case, as I said before, Vav Sivan doesn't mean anything as far as uh, Atseris is concerned. Now if we take for granted that matin is inherently part and possible of what Atseris is, then it must be that, Atzer- that Matan turah also is not defined by Vav Sivin, but is defined by literally, as I said before, the 50th day of Svir So just as Atseris is 50th day of Sphir if Yimat and Torah is inherently part of the identity of Atseris, that means we look at Atseris not as seven, not as Vav seven, but as the 50th day of Sphir It equals 51 days from leaving Egypt. Because we count the next day. Well, we have a problem. This is a problem which the Kadmarni Kadmarnim asked among Avram brings it the name of the Ramami and Menachem Azaria Fano. He was a, a great Kabbalist, very important books. One famous book is the Asarim Amorish, quoted quite a few times in Magan Avram. And he asked the question, because we know that the um, Seder Olam writes, and we bring it La La'alacha, that Yitzchitz Mitzrayim was on Thursday. All know that Yud Sivan, when God commanded the Korban Pesach, was Shabbos. That's why we have Shabbat Agado. Well, if Yud Sivan was Shabbos, that means to say it Australian, but Tevav Sivan was Thursday. It's a very simple reality. Okay, okay. That means Friday you started counting the Yomer. Well, forty-nine days after that Friday, and what? With the Thursday, the fiftieth day is Friday which means to say the 50th day of the Omer was a Friday. According to this Cheshbon, Matan Torah had to be on Friday. And we all know the Gemara says in Shabbos, Hakol Moedim, that Matan Torah was on Shabbos. Implied that Matan Torah, it, it may have been Vav Sivet, but who cares? It was on the 51st day of the Omer. It was a day after Atzeres. So how can you possibly tell me that the essence of Atsaris is matan If reality has it, it was done on the 51st day of the Eimer, 52 days after they left Egypt. How more can you tell me this whole idea of Sfirah Sa'iimer is counting towards matan Well, then we have a lull, we have an extra day in the middle. All these ideas of preparing for Torah, Sfirah Sa'iimer, Derech Enz, Torah, fixing our personalities in order to receive Taira, don't add up unless Torah was given on the 50th day. So we really have a problem. How do we call it Yom Matan Torah? It's really not true. It may be. It's on Vav Sivit. And today, maybe it's that way. The Revash thinks so. The Revesh actually thinks that inherently it's not. Matan Torah is not is not is nothing to do with the, with the 50th, 50th day of the Aymer. Matan Torah is Vav Sivit. It happens to be, by chance, that now, because we have a calendar, above 7, the 50th day works together, so we call Yom Matin saying, But when things will change, we will stop calling you that in the sitter. Anybody who thinks, realizes that's a very, very hard thing to swallow, because the says that the Kiyom Din of Atzeris needs lechem, because Yom Shnitna B'Atzeris says it's inherently part of the identity, as we pointed out before. That doesn't work with Kimur. So either you're going to have to say that they actually think that Matan Torah happened on Friday. Which there is such a sender, is in the Bryshus and Pirkei but that's not Bavli. And we, Pasuk in our halachas, through Bavli. Our Bavli has Matan Torah, is Shabbos. And yet, it seems to be that the end of Sfira Sa'imer, the Atzeris, seems to be on Friday. And if that was vav Sivin, that means Atseris should be heisim of that year. That's a problem. Rami answered answered among Ravram brings it. He discusses two things. Well, I'll discuss, I'll explain both. He says this is really something puzzling. He says, you know, Harshida wasn't chutzlards, and the chutzlards is Yam Tivsheni. Watch this. And God decided to give respect to Gullus and to Yom Thiv and therefore showed up on Vav Sivan, which was the 51st day of the Yamur. But that's like the second day of Yom So we start on the first day of Yom which is 50th. So when he brings this down, this is frightening, puzzling. Like all of a sudden he jumped ship and made Yerida, so to speak. What's this? That's really interesting. So basically, the core. When did God show up on Yom Tov But the Yom Tov starts on Yom Tov Rishon. This asks us to explain the relation between two days of Yom Tov because it's something really very interesting. And then the Magen Ram also brings another thing found in Rambamipano that the pasuk actually says. <speaking in Hebrew> The guy was actually supposed to show up on the fiftieth day of the Sphira, A7. but the Gemara says that Moshe, said pshat in what the Kodesh Baruch Hu said, made a limud a alfusa with one of the Yud addresses and figured that when God said these words, we have to interpret it as saying that He will not be, we will not see Him, or we will not have it until a day later. And he added a day, and Moses says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Now, what does this mean? So what did God really mean when he said Yom Shlishi? Did he mean Hayshivon, the 50th day of the Yomer? Or did he mean Vav And Moses figured it out, because he intelligently knows how to read the Chumsh. What is the relationship between Pshat and Drash? Well, for this, I have to read something. Well, I won't read it. But I'll just refer you to the source. No. The Gra has an unbelievable sefer on um, Chumash called Aderet Eliyahu. And in Aderet Eliyahu, Parshat Mishpatim, the Gra elaborates in the beginning of Parshat Mishpatim on the relationship between Pshat, Pshutosh and Mikra, and Medrash Chazal. He basically says it's a very bad thing to do to try to think that every Medrash Kazal is B'shut HaShemikra. He really goes after the thinking of the Malburman and the Ksav HaKabbalah. He totally disagrees with them. He believes that B'shut shemikra is an independent reality and it's what he calls the emis of Torah. And then there's the drash, which is the practical way of applying it. And we're not going to go here and explain what. So why do we have to know this? He says. So therefore, it's very important to know and mikra, because that's the emiss of Torah. I'll give an example by an eved. It says that Ch- the eved if he doesn't want to leave his adon, so we um, we do ritchia. We bore a hole in his ear, and it says the and Chazal say it doesn't really mean forever. It means until Yovel, until Jubilee year. So the church says he is an Eved Le'olam, just the Jubilee year takes him out of that, but he actually is an Eved Le'olam, that's what Remer writes in Meshech Another example, Ayin Ayin, Yad Yad, Regel Regel, yet Chazal tells us in you pay money, but the truth is you actually owe him an eye for an eye, and that's what the Ramam says. Where do we learn this money? What you're paying is not damages. No one cannot give money for an eye. It doesn't have a market value. I'm sorry. It's priceless. You're actually redeeming your eye, and we shouldn't pluck it out by paying money. It's kofar. That's what the Raman said, that if you are a in and that you plucked out someone's eye, you don't have to pay. It's like Knash. A regular dinner of Maman, of course you have to pay. You can't be with a Havala. The emiss of Torah is eye for eye. Practical application is redeem the eye with money. The emiss of Torah is Avadol Leolam. Practical application is Yovil. Let me explain what this means in a deeper way. You see, um, when you first start learning, you you you, you look at Mishnah as they, these weird stories of people fighting over finding some kind of a piece of clothes in the street. In the first Mishnah movement would see it. And you figure people were poor, so they, oh, I found a jacket. No, I found a jacket. It like people are fighting over clothes. As a child, it was quite perturbing. Oh, they must have been very poor. That's my reaction to it. After a while, I grew up and I said, no, 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 this is just a metaphor. It's really a way of telling me that mamana mutl yakhlaiku. If we have uh, uh, money in question between two people that claim it, yakhlaiku, why did they choose this example? Obviously, it was common at the time. But once you understand the depth of it, you realize, forget the example. That's just the external shell. It's the idea. You grow up a little more, and you learn a lot more. You realize all of a sudden that this idea of Mama mutam Safiyah is not just a rule, it has conceptual underpinnings. It has a whole world of thought behind it, which you can thus extrapolate to other situations and create new laws. You grow up even bigger and you realize that there's also meta halachic principles behind it. You grow up even more and you understand the philosophical underpinnings and ultimately the metaphysical interpretation of what this means. The more you grow... The more you realize, whatever you know is just a mushal to something deeper and more profounder. That's what the pasuk says. Also, uh, the Chazal, excuse me, the Torah is called mushal hakadmoni. It's the metaphor of kadmon of God's wisdom Himself. God's wisdom is infinite. It's infinite wisdom, which is expressed in finite forms of ideas, thoughts, beliefs, philosophical ideas, metaphysical ideas, ultimately halachic ideas, into practical application. But his wisdom is different than our wisdom, Ramon points out. See, my wisdom is nothing more than accumulation of my experiences, which I basically translated into uh, electrical impulses. And after X amount of experiences, I have a bit of a search engine in which I can move back and forth. What I've done, I've processed my external experiences, and that becomes my wisdom. Should I have experienced nothing else but myself, I would not have any wisdom. Wisdom is nothing more. I'm like a bee hovering between the flowers, taking it in, and basically extracting from it ideas, and that's, that, that's what I have. Goodness sakes, God had wisdom before he created anything. So he didn't exactly experience anything. The only thing he could experience was himself. So the wisdom of God is not, is not the wisdom of man, which is nothing more than extracting ideas from experiences. The wisdom of God is an expression of the infinite self of God. My wisdom is not an expression of me. It's an expression of my trials and tribulations, my experiences. Wisdom of God is an expression of the essential, infinite self. Getting into His wisdom, you have somehow got the closest you can to Him. It's probably the most unique and only, the most deepest, I would say, way of being in communion with God, by internalizing His wisdom. For His wisdom and Him are one. Rama writes this in two places. God is, God is not just someone that knows. His knowledge is is in him are one totally different idea he says that the shot in the passage my thoughts are not yours your thoughts are nothing more than products of your experiences my thoughts are expressions of me my essential self my infinite being ultimately, they are finite forms of a infinite reality well, they want us to understand when we talk about um, Taira Kadma Olam, Taira was there before the world. What do you think? There was a book that says, Lo Signob, so God's going to create a Ganav. The book that says, Lo Sirtzok, so God's going to create a Ritsev. That would be a bit childish. <coughs> what it means is the infinite wisdom of God is, how we, is, is the core of how he expressed himself in creating a world. The infinite wisdom of God is, how, is what's expressed in the creation of Nishamais. And the infinite wisdom of God is how he expresses himself in creating the Torah, the applied laws. They are all mishalim, all forms, to an infinite wisdom of God, which are expression of self. You know what it's like? It's like a multidisciplined artist with the same idea will express himself in the plastics, in the oils, and in music. And he will see his ideas equally in the statue, in the painting, and in the composition. But you'd have to know him and his mind, to see, you'd also, then, you, then you'd also see it all there. But you don't know him, you definitely don't know his mind, so you can translate them as three different entities. The closer you are to him, you realize the unification of it's all, it's all expression of the one God and, and his wisdom. Infinite wisdom, which cannot be actually fragmented. It can only be expressed in finite form. Now here's something very special. God wanted to give his wisdom to man. As Morris says in Shabbos, do you know what Anoichi means? Anoichi is an abbreviation for a few words in Aramaic. "Ano," I, that's the Aleph. Nun is Napshi, myself. Chaf is Kasaft. I wrote myself. Yahift, and I gave myself to you. I wrote myself in a book, and I gave myself to you via the book. I have given you the expression of my core wisdom, which is ultimately the expression of my core self. That's what we do when we learn Torah. God gave himself to man. But, you know, it takes time for man to understand what he got. Many times, you know, your parents taught you things. that want to give you wisdom, and they taught you Aesop's fables. I don't know what. They taught you Grimm's fairy tales. And you didn't realize the wisdom you were giving. You were thinking of stories. Do you know how they formed you afterwards through your life, those fairy tales and those stories? They give you wisdom. And subconsciously, they formed you you really think that marriage is is giving flowers and diamonds? They're only there as much as they're expressions of the core relationship that man has given himself to wife and wife has given herself to man. If you just give flowers to your wife, you need help. If you give yourself to your wife through the flowers, you're doing good. So God gives himself to man, but man does not always have the vessels to receive it. Oh, yeah. We don't, we don't have the vessels to understand how God has given himself to us in history. At the most, we're quite angry, and we think he's devoid of God. The day will come, we'll actually understand that it is all part of God. That's a g'moram sachim lam that one day we will understand history. It's frightening to think about it. We'll actually appreciate and love the hand of God in all of history. Something which is frightening, at the moment we don't have vessels, to receive and understand and comprehend the God of history. We're doing pretty good with the God of science. Well, here's something special God wanted to give Himself to the Jews and gave Himself on the 50th day of the Omer. Moshe understood that, you know, we don't have the vessels, we need another day. So they finally saw the Asia Gedilah and all that, and they finally heard. And had the capability of prophecy on the 51st day. But the core reality was there already at the 50th day. God was there. Just not for you to see and comprehend. You know what it is? It's like the silence, which is really there, and the words came out later. <laughs> because already there was God giving Himself the Anoichi, Ana. That part of Matintaira was given on the 50th day. Just we didn't have the capability of seeing it and even getting it until the 51st. And actually after is what we got, we lost, as we know, 39 days later. We actually didn't have enough even then. Maisha tried, so that's what it means. The shot is that Matintaira is supposed to be on the 50th day. Practical application was going to be the 51st. Mitzada Kodesh was a total giving of himself on the 50th day. We couldn't apply that, therefore we accepted it on the 51st. This is Amaral in Tefer Israel, chapter 27, which he literally says this idea, well, a bit differently, but basically it's there. So you see, this is what it means... We lost, we lost that Kabbalah. Whatever we got on the 51st day, there's nothing worth celebrating. Those luchas were broken. But you know what? That God gave himself to us on the 50th day, that's still found in the Shiver luchas. That never changed. We don't celebrate Baba Kam, Baba and We celebrate the Anoichi, Ano Napshi Kasav Yahivt. I have written myself and given myself to you. That's Yom Shru Matan Torah. It's not Yom Khabal Torah. It's Yom Matan Torah. You did not receive it on the 50th day. And whatever you received on the 51st isn't actually worth celebrating. What you received on the 50th day was his giving himself to you. This is basically the idea of we celebrate that. We celebrate the fact that this is the day of Shivrei Luchas, which as I mentioned before, you know the depth of Shivrei Luchas is so much deeper than the regular Luchas because in Shivrei Luchas we realized a relationship, a core covenantal relationship, which somehow we lose the taste of it now afterwards when we have all the problems. It's like people getting involved in practical aspects of marriage and sometimes they forgot why'd you marry her? Why'd she marry you? Why did you marry her? That's what people forget because they're so busy with doing and not doing. People learn so much and they forget thinking you know what this is all comes back to that day when God gave himself to me in this book. That's why, if you know the Elocha of Birchas which which according to Babli is the so the Ramban brings it and say for our mitzvahs, it's a bracha to remind you, not about learning, but about Lanos Terase. Always remember, He gave Himself to you. That's what this Shus is. I want to hope and pray that we will somehow connect to what Shvus really is. And whatever we do in that day, focus on the fact. Anna, Nepshi, Kasaf, Have a great day. <tries>